On today's Question of Faith, what is it like to convert to the Catholic faith? Hey there, everybody. This is Question of Faith. I'm Mike Hayes. I am the Young Adult Ministry Director here in the Diocese of Cleveland. And I'm Father Damian Ferentz, the Vicar for Evangelization. And I'm Christy Cabanis, the Director of Missionary Discipleship. Yes, you are. Yes, well, I am. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back, guys. So you have done a lot of work with RCIA candidates and those who are uh, entering into the church from another religious faith. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience. Uh, so, well, it's it backs all the way up to my own sort of uh, reversion. I was baptized as a Roman Catholic, but not mm. uh you know, properly raised in the faith. And um, I came into the church uh, through a process. And then whenever I got into ministry in the church, RCIA was always one of the things that I wanted to be part of. So um, I sought that out, engaged with it, and um, ended up at uh, my first parish that I worked at where I was coordinating the process for folks mm. and um working with them coming into the church and have continued to do that. And I also did it at my job uh, with the Archdiocese of Baltimore. I was the coordinator of sacramental formation there. So our CIA was part of that too. So yeah, I've had a lot of experience around. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And what experience have you had with this? I was the director of RCA at my first parish assignment. That was one of my charges. So yeah, I I walked a lot of people into the church um, or in full communion with the church. Yeah, I yeah. baptized, confirmed all that at the Easter Vigil. It was great, great joy. Yeah. yeah. And the last two years while I've been in deacon formation, I've been working with RCIA both at St. Luke's and now at St. Brendan's. Um, so walking people through the process. So, so we, we're all experienced. Yay! Yeah, around yeah. that. Yeah, it's an exciting <laughs> process to be part of. Yeah, what's, what's your favorite part? Um, I think... Honestly, I think it's it, – I can't say that it happens at a specific time. I mean, I love the vigil. Um, I always get emotional with people whenever I see them making their promises and mm. and, and being baptized and, and just being part of that, especially in their sponsors around them or the team there, that there's just so much excitement. But I think the best part, and I think this is the teacher deep inside of me, is there are times through the process when you kind of see that light of faith come alive in somebody, and it's really exciting. And then they reach out for more, more, more. And then I feel like as the coordinator, I don't know if you had this experience, Father Damien, but it was like, how do I, how do I quickly gather everything up mm-hmm. and get things to them as quickly as possible because they're hungry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my favorite part is that oftentimes catechumens and candidates ignite faith in those who are already Catholic, and because they're doing something or preparing to do do something for the first time, there's a, a life, there is an enthusiasm, there is a vigor that sometimes... W- we don't have because we take these things for granted, especially if we've been raised cradle Catholics. So analogously, I think an analogy, it'd be like I lived in Rome for three years and I walked often there and I, I, we lived two blocks from the Trevi Fountain, you know, five minutes from the Pantheon. We're 25 half hour walk from the 25 minute half hour walk from the Vatican. And I walked there all the time and I tried really hard never to take for granted that I'm walking by the Trevi Fountain or the mm-hmm. Pantheon or, or St. Peter's. Uh, but when guests would come to town or especially if they've seen this for the first time, it 
it helps you appreciate more what you have. You know what I mean? And so I think the same is true of converts and catechumens um, or catechumens and, and, and um, candidates who come into the church for the first time or come into full communion with the Catholic Church that so often they're so hungry for the Eucharist or so excited to confess their sins for the first time mm-hmm. or to be part of the Mass all the way through and be a f- in full communion that you know, we're sometimes, even as a priest, we're, well, we're doing this all the time and we take it for granted. And I think that's one of the great gifts and blessings. It's like new life in a family reminds mm-hmm. you the gift of life. Like there's, there's someone new here and, yeah. and it's exciting. Yeah, we were just talking about this last night at St. Brendan's as a young man. Says the son of the guys from Ignatius High School also participate in the RCIA process at St. Brendan's. One of the guys last night, we, we asked people, we said, well, is there, is there anything that you're, you're a little nervous about? You know, with the with the sacraments coming up, and they and I guess hey, you know, guys, I gotta tell you, I'm a little I'm a little nervous about the Eucharist. He goes, nervous isn't really the right word, and he goes, excited might be closer. He said, but this is a big deal, right? And we all yeah. just looked at each other and we're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is a big deal. You're right. Yeah, you know? I had a guy uh, two years ago that um, whenever he was coming into the church and we talked about reception of the Eucharist, he was concerned about what his proper posture should be mm. after. He said because I think that I'm going to be overtaken with emotion and I don't want to do anything that would be perceived as rude or wrong or whatever. So mm. Christy, what what should I do? And um and I'm. This is back in Greensburg, PA, and our posture there after your reception is to come back and kneel and pray. And I said, Rich, you can take all the time you want there with the Lord. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. blessed and beautiful time, and I'm, I'm excited that you're excited. So mm-hmm. um, it was a really beautiful witness. One of my favorite – he wasn't a con- – because a convert is someone who was not Christian before. Correct. So correct. to get the term correct, one of my favorite – people who came into full communion with the church. His, his first name is Brad, and I met him when he was a teenager. We were down a bass player in our music ministry at my first assignment in Hudson, and we had a great guitar player who had a friend he was in a jazz trio with who was a Methodist, and he said, we need a bass player. So we said, well, bring him on, and he could play for Mass. And over time, playing at Mass, he was hearing the, the music and the preaching and the community, and um, got interested in the faith, went through RCIA. His nickname in, in high school was Slug Daddy. He kind of <laughs> did everything slow. He was real chill and real cool. Anyway, he had dreadlocks and all this, um, but he wanted to come into the church, and I was happy to have him, a really artistic kid, really bright guy. And uh, the day he came into the church, I brought him into the church, and I gave him his first communion. He wept. Because he was so hungry to receive Jesus in the Eucharist for the first time. And I think, wow, how inspiring and how how great a reminder it is to me that how I receive Eucharist every day. When was the last time I wept when I received Holy mm. Communion? And I thought that was beautiful that he had, you know, you wait, you start this process usually around, you know, in the fall and made his way all the way through and was just longing to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. And when he finally did, he wept. And that was very beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I when when I was in New York at St. Paul the Apostle, they they would have uh, you know, this is just population. It's not it's nothing more. We had a large RCA thing. It wasn't because we were you know we were really beating the sticks to get people to convert <laughs> to the faith. It was really just population, and um, it's a large parish. And um, I could just remember like we were always invited to gather around the font together as a community and 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 just to be there for folks. 
Uh, and I can just remember seeing the looks on people's faces the whole time. Not not even like you know once they got into the baptismal font, once they came out, it wasn't it wasn't even that. It was the whole time that they were there, just yeah, you know, that they were just you know filled with all of the zeal. And um, yeah, it was just really great to see. You know, I think too I've seen um, with uh, dads too, but mostly moms um, when you've got uh, an older kid that's maybe like toddler or yeah. like early elementary age before they hit that beautiful age of reason. And that was, for me, my kids were fully received at an Easter vigil. Um, They were initiated, baptized, confirmed, and then received their first Eucharist. And I also had that experience that whenever I see the parents having this emotional response to their child being brought into the church, um, because I think that there's something there about um, knowing that God gave you this gift of the child and then in a way, giving that child back to God uh, in the waters of baptism is just such an awesome thing. And so being part of that experience as well has been a really cool thing in my um, experience. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, a great RCIA director who was a, a Jesuit named Bob Collins who worked at St. Paul's in, in New York. Uh, we used to say, this is an inside joke a little bit, but it was, he's a Jesuit with the heart of a Paulist. <laughs> what does that mean? Time. So the, well, a lot of people would say, like, the Paulists are very relatable to people. Oh, okay. Like, that, that they, that they really, people really say that they're much more down to earth, that some of the Jesuits are a little highfalutin, oh, you know, oh, and, they okay. said, and they would say that, Bob, that Father Bob was not that way, that Father mm. Bob had the heart of a Paulist, but he was not a Paulist, he was a Jesuit who, hmm. worked, who was living across the street at Fordham. And... Um, I, I could just remember, like, he, he was one of the calmest people I've ever met. And the whole time when the, all this liturgy was going, he knew exactly what to do and would lead people through and calm yeah. everybody down and, you know, and say, okay, now we're going to do this. And it was just very methodical. He was very, he was very good at it. And I would always grab him at the end of the thing. I said, so, yeah, how do you feel? And he goes, uh, he goes, filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Right. He would say it every year. It mm. was the same line every year. And I was like, and I was like yep, yes, you are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's. I, I feel like being a part of it the, on the mass. Like I, w- I got to be like the sort of the MC, and yeah. I would say to the people because they would be like, "What if I say the wrong?" I would have little cheat sheets for them yeah. and all kinds of stuff, but also just to direct them because um, w- the one young priest that I work with had the most beautiful way of saying this to them. I want you to experience this moment and really let God do yeah. what God's doing in your heart and be open to that. We'll take care of all the logistics. We'll make sure you're where you need to be. We'll prompt you for the right words. That isn't the important thing. The important is, is let God encounter you and experience you through this process. Mm-hmm. So. And, yeah. and then you've got the week after, usually the next meeting would be the mystagogia. Because right. you don't want to tell them too much. Like when the You don't want to give them exact details because you want them to experience these sacraments and right. being baptized and being confirmed, receiving communion for the first time. So you want to give them enough so they don't embarrass themselves and know what they're doing. But you don't want to tell them how to experience it because mm-hmm. after, that's how you hear the Holy Spirit at work through someone's experience of yeah. things. There was a young woman one time who said who, who asked me, that she, like, what am I supposed to feel when I receive the Eucharist for the mm. first time? And I said, you feel what you feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I said, just just let yourself be open to whatever mm-hmm. whatever you're going to feel when you're there. I can't tell you how to feel. <laughs> so yeah. If I tell you how to feel, that would be really presumptive of me as mm-hmm. as the person working with you, you know. Yeah. So well, yeah. And there's that whole unpacking like Father Damien mentioned the mystagogia like it 
it should take over the rest of your life is yeah. what unpacking these graces and this experience is and how do we live it out and engage with it. So there can be more than just one meeting after the Easter Vigil experience to talk about, right. you know, what what happened here? What's happening in my life? How is God now active and part of everything in a new way that he maybe wasn't exactly before? So Yeah, yeah. yeah especially if someone's been baptized. So the like traditionally, baptism, baptismal fonts in the Catholic Church are in the shape of an octagon because the Lord created in seven days. Then the Lord rose on the and, and created the eighth day of creation. So from now on, this is the day that we're living in, so everything is new. So yeah, that, that first meeting with RCAA, you're kind of unpacking what happened at that Easter vigil. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of your life, you're living in the eighth day of creation and unpacking how it is that the Lord is constantly at work in your life. Mm-hmm. We are an Easter people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's true. Exactly. You know, when you mentioned um, your, the, your friend who was a d- uh, director of or coordinator of RCIA, I'm thinking of one of our priests in the diocese, Father Marty Dober. Last few years, he's had about 30 people come into RCIA, which is uncommon, although it is a bigger parish out there in Mentor. But one of the things that he's done, which I think is brilliant, and is worth imitating, is that if he gets a call from someone, like let's say Easter Vigil is this Sunday, and he gets a call from someone later on in the week saying, Mm -hmm. I'm interested in being Catholic, he doesn't simply say, okay, give me your name and email, I'll put you on the list and we'll contact you in September. He says, come on in, and he starts meeting with them right there. So when the fire is hot, the iron is hot, then you you can you start meeting with that person at that time because the spirit's at work. So you don't just take their name and say, we'll call you in September when RCA starts. No, the RCA process starts right there. It's, I think it, that's yeah. really important. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rolling admissions, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, you start when you start and you end when you end. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Right, yeah. you know, it's not like the Easter Vigil is graduation and that we're looking for that, you know, from the start of RCIA. This is... No, no, no. When are you ready mm-hmm. to receive yeah. the Easter sacraments? What do you think? What do we think? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, and you know, I have been walking with you. We get confused because the text is laid out in these nice sections of the process. But uh, the, the we're talking about inquiry when the, a person is just beginning to sort of have these stirrings of faith within them and they're curious and they want to know. But I think that what I've seen anyway is people are curious for far longer yeah. than that first moment that they reach out to the church. Um, they've probably been in or around they're you know they've kind of they know some people or there's some there's some connection that's mm-hmm. happening for them and a process that's happening along the way so that's also the part of the coordinator is to find out from people really bring them in and talk with them and and get to know them and find out where have you been hearing about Jesus and when mm-hmm. did you first notice these stirrings and what experiences have you had so this is about freedom you know we forget that you know you have to give people freedom to be who they are as they're experiencing this inquiry you know yeah inquire this is is the time to ask questions and oh imagine there might be a book where we could actually look up how long inquiry should be oh yeah we do have one and it says for as long as it takes (laughs) you know yeah and sometimes someone will start and they say i'm not ready yet right then you see them five years later "I'm i'm ready now right so. And some people have kind of been part of the RCIA group for a long time. Like they, they mm-hmm. keep coming, but they're they're inquire they're still inquiring. No, not 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 ready yet to go on. But I'm enjoying being with y'all, and I'm learning more. And so mm-hmm. I'll I'll let you know. You yeah. know. Yeah, That's I think though the other is that I mean the the rights as they're written and soon to be 
called The Order of Christian Initiation. The text is so beautiful and offers such a wonderful lens into how the process can unfold and what we're really looking for in those conversions is the only word I really know to use in this process of how people are coming to faith. And it's described here, so it's really helpful to anybody that's uh, leading, coordinating, or participating. I was down with uh, Bishop Molesic at St. Bernard's in Akron this past weekend. Mm. It was the Newman Night. We have seven Newman uh, programs, ministries in the diocese. And we were sitting at table. I was sitting with the bishop and three of the folks who were at table were coming into the church this Easter vigil. Their conversion stories were incredible. And it's so fun to hear how the Lord's working. One of the guys was an atheist before. The other one is a philosophy major. So, you know, she and I had a really good chat about things. Um, And then the other one was an evangelical. But to hear how the Lord was working, how he was moving, and there's something that's always surprising about the Holy Spirit. It's usually that's how a good way you know you're doing the Lord's work is I didn't expect to be here. You know, it's very Marian too. I didn't expect the angel Gabriel to come mm. into my room. Um, but you say yes and you move forward. That's really exciting. Yeah, exactly. So look, we're heading we're heading into the last parts of Holy Week. We took you up to Holy Thursday on our last podcast. So Good Friday, a day of that we remember Jesus' crucifixion and death. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see a lot of different things here in this diocese. This is a, a great procession that our uh, Hispanic community leads. Yeah, starting at uh, 11 o'clock at St. Michael the Archangel on Clark and Scranton. Then it moves over to St. Coleman on 65th, and it winds up at La Sagrada Familia on 77th and Detroit. So it's about a three-hour walk. Put on your walk and shoes, come out. And I'm sure all your parishes have the Good Friday Liturgy, which is the Passion According to John, Veneration of the Cross, and Holy Communion. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And if you, if you have not participated in the Good Friday procession before, highly encouraged. It's very, it's really, really great in this diocese. Uh, the night before, by the way, just to, just in case you're listening to this before Holy Thursday, uh, station churches. So we've asked 21 churches in the diocese to stay open, and so people can visit the altar of repose and pray our prayer for Eucharistic revival. We'll put all that in our show notes mm-hmm. for you, and. Uh, yeah, you know, some folks are, and we're asking you to go to seven of them. Yeah. And if you don't have a place to go, come to St. Wendelin. I have the Mass at 630. It's my baptismal parish, and I'm walking to seven churches from there. And if you, if you can't get to St. Wendelin's until late, I'll be there at around 1030, and I'll be doing the closing reflection with a group of young adults who are walking to seven churches. They asked me to do the reflection on the crowning with thorns, which is the last one. Oh, cool. Nice. Maybe we'll see you there. It depends on how the, the schedule works. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, the Easter Vigil. Easter Vigil on Saturday, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Do you bless food, by the way? In, uh, I, you in, know, in I'm not doing it, but at St. Wendelin they do. So a lot of um, Eastern European yes. churches have the tradition of blessed food. So I know Wendelin's doing it at 2 o'clock. St. Brendan's is doing it at 1, which okay. I'll be participating in. Nice. First, first time for me doing it. Yeah, if we could do a whole other show on this. This is highly <laughs> controversial, exactly. liturgical. Do you use holy water <clears throat> to bless the food? Because the holy water font has not been blessed right. yet. But if you don't, then people get upset and don't think it counts. So that's we could right. do that for another show. Absolutely. We'll save <laughs> And what's in, what's in the basket? That I think that's a whole thing, too. That's right. a whole, yeah. yeah, all the symbols. Yeah, exactly. And then we just spent a lot of time talking about uh, folks will be receiving Easter sacraments. But the... Mm-hmm. Um, but the the vigil is uh, is you know it's a lengthy you know a lengthy evening shall we say, um, sometimes you know two three hours 
It's um, so awesome. That's the mother liturgy of the whole yeah. church, though. It yeah. does. It does not feel that way. Is what I always say. Oh, true. You, you feel invigorated by the end of it, not not exhausted by the end of it. Yeah. Um, and it is. You know, the whole liturgy is really Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and right. the Easter mm-hmm. vigils. This is sort of the conclusion of the uh, the three day triduum. So yeah, and the early Christians would keep that vigil going until the sun came up. That's, That's right. when it would end. Yeah. yeah. And that's sort of the idea. The idea mm-hmm. is that we're keeping vigil on Holy Saturday all the way, and then the light breaks the darkness, mm-hmm. which is why we don't start our Holy Thursday liturgy until after the sun has gone down. Right. So that the fire is contrasted to the darkness, and right. so is that candle. The right. symbols Past of light and darkness. Yeah. You don't want to mess the symbols up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So uh, if, you, uh, if you're heading out to your parish, um, you know, I hope that you can participate in all of those. Uh, all of those days, the one large liturgy, and then that leads up to, of course, Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we take a look at a particular church? Uh, you were at St. James this Saturday. By the way, yeah, I that, was. That, I got that soaked before we got into St. James. <laughs> so we did that four-church pilgrimage through Lakewood, and it started out. It was a beautiful sunny day, not a cloud in the sky, 62 degrees, and then around 11.43, as we're walking down Detroit Avenue, well, it was already getting dark, yeah. and then this the rain came. Ba-boom. We got soaked. But I told the folks, this is part of a pilgrimage. It's supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be easy because it's, it's kind of showing you the Paschal mystery. So there's going to be a good Friday moment, and there we had it. But, yeah, our last church was uh, St. James, which is modeled after the basilica in a basilica in Sicily. Mm. Um, it's gorgeous, although there's been rain damage in there because there's problems with the roof and this poor sandstone. But it's still a structure to be hold. It's beautiful. The windows are gorgeous. Father Workman gave us a little history of the place. And it took 10 years to build the church because it was started in 1925. And then that was in the middle of the Depression. So it didn't finish oh, until 1935. Right. Mm. But oh, wow. a, a gem, a gem of our diocese for, for sure. I went to their fish fry the other night. And um, it was really, we were really strongly welcomed by people there. We were, we were really excited. It was good and good food too. Mm. So it was fun. Um, and uh, good news, Father. You know that we know you got rained on between St. Clements and St. James. But then, when you came out of St. James and walked back to St. Luke's, the wind began to dry you off. Yeah, the wind was at our back all the way down Clifton, but the temperature dropped about. 15, yeah, 20 degrees. It, it was cold. My pants were wet, and then they were getting cold. But you're right. I did dry off. And then we came to some hot soup uh, at the uh, what is the McBride Center over there at St. Luke's. So that was a nice way to end the pilgrimage. Yeah, it was great. So thanks for, for all those who came out. Thanks for coming out. If you're doing station churches and walking with uh, our pal John Varis uh, from Parma, hopefully we'll see you walking around uh, the Tremont area, uh, visiting seven churches on Holy Thursday. If you're coming into the church for the first time, and uh, making uh, sacraments here at the Easter Vigil. Uh, welcome, number one, uh, and we're glad that you're here with us. So, good good Lenten season for both of you? Yeah, yeah. really good. Yeah. Really good. Good, yeah. All right, so let's enjoy Holy Week, huh? Happy yeah. Holy Week, everyone. We're recording this as we uh, head toward the Chrism Mass tonight, so that'll be fun. So we'll have this and a whole lot more next time on Question of Faith. Happy Easter, people. 